Graphic design empire. Take control of it. Do you know what? These are really great questions. If you want it, you're just going to find a way to get it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Today on the show we have Amy, uh, she's going to share some great, fantastic advice uh, on the podcast for you know, young creatives and people starting out in the industry. It uh, talks about how she got her job, how, how she got her first job and how she stepped into the industry uh, as, a, as a young creative. So yeah, it's a really, really good episode. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, really good chat with, uh, with Hannah as well, uh, how we relate back to her story uh, on the podcast. So yeah, hope you enjoy it. Uh, please do go and check out the other podcast as well whilst you're at it. Uh, CreativeWaffle.club, is building, we're building up this massive library of uh, podcast now so loads and loads of good advice on the rest of the podcast we have some fantastic guests on the show as well i'm really really pleased to see the direction we're going in and also the crazy waffle newsletter as well that has now started uh, fantastic feedback on that as well really good uh, to see people so many so many people using the mock-up bundle that we put together and uh, finding good use for that as well so yeah please do go and check it out um creativewaffle.club is where you can find it all thank you so much and uh, see you at the end of the podcast all right, then. Welcome hello to the welcome to the podcast jinx <laughs> <laughs> that's it we're in uh yeah. special guest amy uh would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself uh who you are what you do and uh how you found design sure um my name is amy roush i am 23 years old and i work full-time as a graphic designer in washington dc and make youtube videos on the side kind of lifestyle based on just, you know, whatever's happening in my everyday life. Um, I'm not 100% sure how I stumbled into design. It was kind of like a path that just slowly led me down that path, but I really like it so far. I work for a commercial real estate agency, which is definitely a niche path to take in design um, compared to like creative agencies or in like the PR agency side of the industry, but I've been really happy so far and I really like it. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So how, how did you get into it? How did you find design? I started my YouTube channel in high school, which this is like a path here. I started my YouTube channel because I wanted to be a makeup artist, realized pretty quickly that that was not the path for me and that I actually liked making videos. So mm-hmm. then I thought videography was the route to take. Started looking at colleges that had videos realized when I was like filling out all the applications and all that touring the schools that I actually liked the PR side of YouTube and like working with brands and campaigns and stuff like that. So shifted a little bit there from videography to PR, got to school, started studying PR, realized I only liked doing the creative parts of the projects. Like I really didn't enjoy coming up with the strategy or writing the copy for things. I just liked taking what other people did and making it look pretty. So that kind of further narrowed me down to design. And I guess like through that long-winded path, we ended up here. So did you study, you didn't study in school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I double majored in public relations and graphic design. Cool. So what's that like over in America? Is that similar to what you're doing, Hannah? Um, I mean, I'm just studying graphic design, but I definitely feel like your path is very relatable to a lot of yeah. people like me especially you know a lot of people start doing one thing I feel like and then going into college you kind of start realizing that you like different things and that's kind of the path I'm going down now so yeah and a lot of comm majors overlap so I think yeah classes and all of those is always useful too right Um, I agree I think it's really common to go into school with one major and come out with another you know especially minors too 
Yeah, and I feel like design, I don't know if university is different here than it is over there, Mark, but I feel like at least at my university, you have so many different classes you have to take for your major, and then each one kind of teaches you something different, and you're like, oh, I like this, but I also like this, but I don't like this, so yeah, it ends up like changing a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, I didn't go to university, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, you find someone. Find someone that did. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I was pretty pretty set on design. To be honest, I was one of those lucky people. Just sort of found fell in love with it in school, and then yeah, followed it through. and Didn't have to go to uni. But um, so yeah. T- so coming out of university, actually, first of all, how, how did you find uni or college? I went to Elon University in North Carolina, and honestly, I don't really know how it came across my radar. I think my high school guidance counselor was the one who introduced me to it, um, because originally I was planning, when I saw my like film track, I wanted to go to school in California and go to a really tiny um, community college, actually, which is kind of rare for in the United States, I think, to like go to a community college for a specific program like that. Um, It was called Orange Coast College. They have a really good film program. I knew some people that had done it. So I, my senior year was not checked out, but I definitely like lessened my coursework a little bit and like dropped some of my harder AP classes because I was like, I'm going to community college. Like there's no reason to stress myself out. And then Elon came on my radar and I was like, ooh, (laughs) probably shouldn't have done that um so I applied I didn't get in initially which was a hard pill for me to swallow but I ended up getting in a little bit later in like the second round of acceptances um and once I toured the school and saw all of their like film production classes and all of the work that you could do in the different tracks in the comm school I knew that that was where I wanted to go did you have a good experience? Like, did you I did, yeah. It's definitely a unique school. Um, I think they have a really strong communications program, and it's something that stands out a little bit, I think, to Elon. Um, and because it's a smaller school, there's only 6,000 undergrad or so. The alumni panel is really tight as well and really values networking through that, which I think made it a little bit easier for me to get a job because um, Elon people kind of look out for Elon people. And I think that comes with a lot of schools but just being a smaller school it's a little bit easier to do that I think yeah and oh, okay so now I have a million questions <laughs> um, <laughs> but my university we have about a thousand undergrad like okay. a thousand. yeah so we're super oh, crazy that was yeah. like my high school graduating class yeah well, my class has I'm well I was supposed to graduate this year but um <laughs> yeah it's postponed but um so hard yeah, it's oh, don't get me started. Anyway, I'll start crying. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we're super small, and I totally get what you mean by like it's all about networking, and it feels like everyone at the university kind of has each other's back in that sense, and I feel like that's really useful. But that kind of leads me to the question too, like what advice would you give me, like because I'm looking for jobs right now, and that's kind of the well. Now it's not really a good time to be looking for a job, but. No, near future though yeah yeah so I'm starting to actively look for jobs I've applied to a few and unfortunately been turned down by a few yeah um what kind of advice would you give like a fresh college student looking for a job or like what did you do right out of the gate for design specifically or just in general 
Um, yeah, oh, maybe both. Maybe start with design specifically. Okay. And then, yeah. <laughs> I think for design specifically, your portfolio is more important than your experience, which is frustrating. I know um, <laughs> for me, I felt like I had a lot of experience and I had a strong resume. Did I? I mean, that's obviously up for debate. I felt like I was mm-hmm. prepared for the jobs and like internship field of things and really struggled to find internships especially. So I think having a really strong portfolio goes a lot further than having a strong resume, which isn't really what you want to hear, I think, but it shows your work firsthand in your portfolio. I'd make sure that that looks professional. Something that one of our, like we had one class just dedicated to building your portfolio your senior yeah, year. True. Was like the worst, best class I've ever taken in my life. Like that class just like kicked my ass so bad it was just like so brutally hard for like just because I feel like design work too is so personal you know like you can like spend hours and hours on something and like you give it to your professor and you're like no and you're like oh my god you're right like this like this was wrong like I don't know how I didn't see that you know Mm -hmm. um but making sure that you have a url that's something I would recommend investing in like a custom domain so it's not like amyrausch.wixsite slash, you know, like whatever, like just making amyrausch.com or, you know, whatever that is. And then having your work be right there on the front page that people don't have to go search for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'd say just like utilizing networking, like we kind of already touched on through alumni connections. I know this isn't timely right now, but typically when there's events and stuff in like local cities, if there's any like design events or, you know, local networking type panels I feel like there's a decent amount in DC from either other colleges or you know just stuff like that that have different local community events I feel like that's a really great way to meet people especially if you're looking to find people outside of your college network or you didn't go to college Um, I think that's a really great way to meet people and then just asking for informational interviews on LinkedIn I think really helped me Um, I'd really recommend like not mentioning that you're looking for a job just so it's like really focused on the other person because obviously everybody wants to feel important and like making sure you're listening to their experience and like just asking for like general advice on the industry and how they got started like what they wish they knew blah 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 and like that could develop into something down the line but I think it's really good just to get your foot in the door and make those introductions oh that's a lot of awesome advice (laughs) So, I mean, you start off that with uh, your portfolio and, and experience not being, you say experience not being as valuable as a portfolio. No, I think, sorry, around. I misspoke. I think experience is really important, but like in terms of looking at a resume and saying like, oh, I had an internship here and here and here, or like I did this in school, like that's great. But especially as designers, like when someone's hired or hiring, they're looking for a specific look to fit their company and their brand. So showing like, if you're really good at illustration, highlighting that in your portfolio, I, I think at the end of the day is going to go further for a company that's looking to hire someone who specializes in illustration than showing that you had an internship at X, Y, or Z agency. And like, obviously there's value in both, but I think that helped me a lot. And that's kind of where I'm struggling too, is I feel like my portfolio is lacking and I definitely need to work on that a lot more, but I felt like I'm part of it though. Like it's like that always imposter syndrome that like your work is never strong enough. Your portfolio is always messy. Like I think that's part of it too though. Yeah. But I mean, like I know for sure mine is, and again, you're probably (laughs) right. Probably just imposter syndrome, but, um, 
I felt like I had a really strong resume. You know, I did an internship with my university and I worked for Disney and I was like, oh, these things are great. And these things are going to look really awesome. And I'm set. And I got a little cocky, I feel like. And then the nose started rolling in and I was like, oh shit, maybe it's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It happened to me. I was like, my resume is so strong. I worked at our like career center on campus. So I spent so much time looking at resumes and like talking to recruiters for other positions that I was like, I know what people are looking for. Like I got this. And then I was applying for internships and literally didn't get one going like my junior summer. I applied to, I think 80 or something like that. I had like a spreadsheet and I was like, how does not one in 80 companies want me to work for them? Like, this is crazy. And like, I had to take a step back and be like, okay, what do we need to fix here? Like something's clearly not working, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And what yeah. was it? I, I didn't have a portfolio that was strong. I think that was a really big part of it. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of what my problem is, is I, I've been looking at these companies and then, um, was it Dave that gave us the advice that, or no, it was Connor. I think that you go to LinkedIn and you look at the people that work for the companies that you're applying to and you yeah, kind of yeah. do some research on them and look at their portfolios and stuff. Well, I've been doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, mine is definitely not up to par. So that's yeah. what I'm trying to do right now is boost up the portfolio, I feel like. <laughs> and showing them work that's relevant for their company too, you know, which I think is right. Exactly. That's a big thing. I like, I like what you said, uh, if they're looking for to hire an illustrator, uh, to look at the specific um yeah, specific styles and points. If they're trying to look for a specific yeah, I can't speak today, a specific style, <laughs> then um and go for you know tailor it towards that and that's a that's a good thing that's a really well mark i feel like you have kind of a more recent experience with that too is landing your job i mean could you give any insight too on kind of what you did with your portfolio as well to land you your dream job i mean (laughs) Um, yeah i mean i think i was there uh so i mean at the time i did for the first interview i did a little illustration um actually before obviously before the first interview to get the interview uh did an illustration of uh, their manager just like little, oh, nice. cool little postcard which i gave them yeah. uh, made it nice and custom by putting like illustrated by my name mark Irons, um november 2019 which is when i had the first mm-hmm. first first thing even though i did it like months before but make it look like it feel like you did it for the interview make them feel special um yeah what else did, really I do? Cool. did a like a football because it's a football job uh so i did like a football sticker album uh but it was my work instead of all the and illustrated some stickers, but that didn't actually get anywhere. So that, I mean, there's so many things I've tried in the past which haven't worked, and it is about testing. And I said I'm not sure if I mentioned it with you, Hannah, but there's a podcast we did a couple of a couple of days ago, or maybe even a week ago, where I said you're a bit like a pinball machine. And I really like this analogy. You're bouncing around in the pin, in like the ball in the pinball machine. You're bouncing around, waiting to hit the right notes, but you're trying different things. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good I, analogy. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I just I just really like that and uh, and yeah so I tried different things um, and eventually uh, eventually we'll get there but like you say you, you had eighty people turn you down did you get yeah. any feedback from those people or like how did you improve to get the right ones? Um, honestly, I don't think I really did get a ton of feedback. If I did, it wasn't. I feel like a lot of jobs, especially in the U.S., you apply and you just don't hear back. Yeah, uh, that's right. exactly what I'm Which going. Is so much worse than just getting a no. Like. Yeah. I, it was almost comforting to get a no sometimes because I'd be like, okay, I can check that off the list. It's done. Like the I dream agree. is dead. Let's move on. You know, we're <laughs> like, if you don't hear back. I'm like, well, 
maybe Airbnb wants to hire me. They obviously didn't, you know? So like, it is still like floating around in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, something that really helped me was we did portfolio reviews in that class where we really like honed in on our portfolio and having someone like completely unbiased go into your portfolio because obviously like people in my classes like go to a small school like I knew everyone in my design seminar especially because we had taken four years of classes together like you could show me a piece of work and I'd be able to tell you whose it was. And, you know, like everybody knew each other's style and why they liked something. Or like, I could look at something and be like, I don't really like that. But knowing that you made that, I love it because it's so you and like, I see your skills in it, if that makes sense. So yeah. it's really helpful to get third party, like opinions on that kind of stuff because they don't know you. And it, if something's not clear, it's so much easier for them to point out where the gaps are in something or especially for me, I know I had some coding projects on my portfolio at one point. And so like one of the feedback, one of the pieces of feedback I got was like, do you want to do coding? And I was like, no, not really. Like I can do it. Yes. But like, should we rely on my coding for the site? Probably <laughs> not. Like, it's really going to be very spotty. Like yeah. it'll work in one size, but the minute you go to resize it, like that's in God's hands. I don't really know what's going to happen. So like they were like, well, if you're not super confident in that, take it off. Cause otherwise like you're going to end up getting hired for something and realize that like you don't have all the skills, not saying that you need to have every skill for every job. Obviously you can learn and like improve as you go. But like, if I got hired to code a website from scratch, I'd be like, Oh God, this mm -hmm. is like, this is a disaster. Why did I get myself into this? Yeah. I feel like one of the biggest roadblocks I'm kind of running into is like the jobs oh, yeah. I apply for say that you need, they're looking for like so much experience. Mm -hmm. Like we prefer you have three to five years of experience or yada, yada, yada. But I keep hearing from everybody is like, how are you supposed to gain experience without getting a job? And at like at the same time, of course I've done internships and mm -hmm. things like that, but what advice would you give someone that's kind of hitting those roadblocks too of like jobs are looking for these, this experience, yeah. but of course I'm applying anyway, because you never know. No, but, I would just apply anyway, like show yeah. them why you don't need that three to five years. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like the idea that you said earlier about like sending them something physical in the mail, if you can, or like making yourself really stand out. I think that's really helpful not mm -hmm. to go back to the portfolio thing. Like I won't talk about it that much more, I promise. But like, if you can show your work that shows that you have three to five years experience worth of talent, like why does it matter right. how long you were at a company? Also like kind of shitty, but like if you have less experience, the company can probably pay you less, which obviously I'm not advocating for, but like, yeah, they might see that as an opportunity for them as well to save a little bit of money. Obviously fight for like a fair salary. Don't accept mm -hmm. a horrible salary just because you don't have experience. That's not what I'm saying at all, but maybe like, like if say, say like you can grow, like be willing to grow in the role. Yeah, no, yeah. you can grow with the company and kind of go from there. So also like half the time they really aren't checking, I'd say. Like looking at recruiting teams that I've seen like the back end of, like they're not counting years of experience. They're looking at resumes and if they have typos, they're like thrown out, you know, like things like that. Okay. I think go a lot yeah. further. Or like if you submit your resume as a Word doc, people are like, what would you do that for? Like send it as a PDF. Like little things like that, I feel like end up setting you apart more than like them being like, oh, this candidate's great, but she only has three years experience. We're looking for four. You know, like I feel like yeah. it's 
more helpful just to present yourself well. So I'd say just apply. I think for, for other people listening as well, it's, it's important to do some freelance stuff on the side whilst at university because that will help yeah. you a lot. Uh, it'll set you apart from other people that are, um, that are at university uh, and not doing freelance work. So I know I've got a lot of good friends up in Sheffield, UK, um, which is maybe where I'm doing Creative Waffle Live, but uh, keep that secret. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, and they, they've been doing freelance work alongside the university and, and you can see that they progress so much further than the other students. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do that while you're doing uni yeah I did a couple of freelance projects it wasn't like a main source of income for me but it was a really great way to get involved with the community as well um I like went to school in a very small town so it was pretty easy to do that and like get to know shop owners and you know restaurant owners and stuff like that um so yeah definitely recommend freelancing it never hurts and also that's just another connection outside of your direct like circle through your university or your classmates, friends, family, whatever that is that you never know what that could lead to as well. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm doing right now. And I would recommend it to anybody too, for sure. No, it opens awesome. up, yeah. It opens up a lot of opportunities because you do something for one person and then they're like, Oh, and then someone is asking for someone to do the same thing for them. And then it's just referral like over and over again. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So would definitely recommend it. And that can be like very lucrative as well. Like Mm -hmm. you might find that if you find enough clients that are stable enough that constantly need someone, like you might be able to freelance at least part-time pretty consistently, especially in a time like right now where it's a little bit harder to find a corporate job. I definitely Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of work out there for freelancers. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of portrait commissions at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. I opened it up on, and I got quite a few and that's just some side income, but Hey, I mean, it's practice and yeah. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. I wondered how that was going. I need to chat with you more, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's going good. It's going good. Yeah. And I feel like that's another piece of advice that I would give, especially young creatives who maybe are still in college, I guess. And I know this isn't about my advice. It's about Amy's, but um, (laughs) your advice is just as good as mine, (laughs) but um, I feel like just do small things like, cause everything adds up kind of like what you said. And I mean, if you have someone who, Hey, wants a new profile picture or wants a drawing done of them and their fiance or them and their dog or whatever, because that's what I'm doing now. Um, it all adds up eventually. So, and it's all practice. So yeah, that's a good point too. Like even things that I did for like very small rates for freelance, like were good practice, like you said, and like get yourself even using new tools in programs yeah. that, like I really had to use before. And I think that all builds on top of each other, like you said, which is a really good point. Yes. Awesome. Are you, are you guys learning? Is Adobe you're learning at college, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. To check in because uh, like, not university, but the one before university in the UK, we were, we were forced to learn Coral Draw. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's like a cheap um, like, yes, like knockoff Adobe <laughs> Illustrator. It's, it's I've heard of it, but yeah, but I mean, it's not actually actually it's not that bad. But yeah, I, if you can get hold of Adobe, I mean yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> just anyway i don't know why i mentioned that but um yeah so going out coming out of university getting that job eventually how did it come about what did you do to get it and why did they pick you wow lots of good questions um <laughs> so i applied for an internship going into my senior year of college um 
I was just like looking, like I said, I worked at our career center. So I was constantly like looking through the career board and stuff like that, like through our digital platform. And my company has, this is like a bit of a path as well, has an office in Charlotte. So that's how they knew about Elon specifically. Cause it's kind of a smaller school. Like you either really know Elon or you've never heard of it. There's really like no in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess our DC office was like having trouble finding the right fit for the internship. Um, I don't really know too many more details other than they just weren't finding the right fit. So they reached out to the Charlotte office, which is the next closest to see if they had any recruits, like whatever, got in contact with Elon. I applied through our like job site portal and honestly really questioned it because I was not against working in real estate, but like, why would I ever want to work in real estate? Because that's just like not that's never, I feel like as a designer, what you really picture, like you picture working in a creative office and like, I get to wear jeans every day of the week. And like, (laughs) like the walls are painted coral and orange, you know, like it's a very creative, fun environment. And I'm like, real estate, I don't know, like that's not really my thing. But like at that point, I was getting kind of desperate. I had gotten so many rejections. It was like March at this point. And I was like, you know what? whatever. Like it's a pretty easy application. So I applied. I was also interviewing with a couple creative agencies in North Carolina at the time. And I did all those interviews. And I remember looking through one of the agencies, like workbooks that they showed clients and I, which like, who am I to say this, but like the work was not good. And I like remember thinking if I'm not even a senior in college and I wouldn't put my name on this, like that's not a great sign. You know, like that was like kind of a red flag for me, but I was like, okay, like it, it, it hit all the other boxes. Like it was a cool office, good location, you know, like all those things, yeah. but the work was eh, okay. But I was like, okay, whatever. And then I randomly got a call from the, our DC office asking for an interview and I was already going home for the weekend. So I was like, okay, like, And again, I didn't even really want to go. I didn't have any business clothes at home. Like it's kind of out of the way. I mean, it is out of the way from like my parents' house. So I was like, ah, do I even go? But I was like, you know what? It's good interview practice, if nothing else. So I went and met the designer that they had at the time. And we have this wall when you walk in that displays all of the like marketing collateral that we make for our buildings. And I was amazed. The designer that was there before me is so talented. It was so cool. Just like a badass woman. And I was like, I have to work here and I have to learn from you. Like it would be such an honor. Like I felt like such an idiot. I was like bowing down to her. I was like, I need to (laughs) learn from you. Like you are so cool. Um, and I ended up staying there and just like going through a couple rounds of interviews. Like my poor dad came with me just for like company. And so he sat in like the coffee shop across the street. So like oh. it was only supposed to be like a 30 minute interview. So it's like, he was going to sit in the coffee shop. I take him to lunch after to like, say, thank you for coming, you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being there for like three hours because they kept like bringing more and more people in. just, they were like, well, while you're here, if you have time, like, do you want to meet so-and-so? And I'm like, sure. Um, so bless my dog's heart. And then there was a couple more interviews after that with like, our national team. And then there was an interview round, which I feel like is pretty typical for design where they give you an assignment just to make sure mm, you're like yeah, somewhat capable. Yeah. Um, and then they offered me the internship, which was really exciting. So I took it, interned with their other designer for probably two and a half months last summer. And on my last day, 
they basically sat me down and gave me a verbal offer to come back and work for her, which I was super excited for. Definitely down, like going into senior year with a job for design, mm-hmm. especially, I feel like is really rare. Like that's pretty common for finance and like those fields, but I feel like design and PR doesn't happen until the spring, right before grad or like June and you start right. in July type thing. Like it's a lot faster paced, I think. Um, so I felt good about it, but it was like a verbal offer. So I wasn't like a hundred percent letting myself get excited just because like, you know, things always fall apart. Um, so I like went through my senior year. I came back to visit in like November just to like literally show face and be like, hi, remember me? Like, yeah. don't forget about me. I do really want to work here still. Um, <laughs> so it was nice to like see everyone. I went to like follow up. My excuse was like, I had a project installed in our office, but I wasn't there to see it actually get installed. Like I set it all up. Um, so I was like, I have to come back and see the mural. And they were like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, ha, this is my way to make sure you cannot get rid of me. Um, so I did that. It was like a good idea though. I mean, I feel like that is a good idea to show face and kind of be like, hi, I'm still here. Yeah, no, that's a really smart And I mean, like the company's pretty on top of things. Like, I don't think that they would have like completely let it. Right. It definitely doesn't hurt just to like stop in. Like if you're in the area already, like Exactly. Grab coffee with someone, even like if you're far away, just like emailing every like six months and just being like, Hey, just wanted to say hi, like, or like Merry Christmas, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in January, I reached back out to the designer and she was like, Hey, like, we're ready to send you your offer letter. If you still want to come back. And I was like, I do. And Elon runs on a trimester. So I was actually going to Vietnam for the month, which is just like a whole other curveball in the story, I guess. <laughs> I was like, if I don't respond to the offer letter, like I am in Vietnam, I have no idea what my like service and like internet accessibility is going to be like, because we were like going through random, like very small town. So I was like, please don't take this as a no, like I'm letting you right now. I will respond January like 28th or whatever we got back. Um, so I got back and the main designer ended up moving to California. So they were like kind of in this limbo of like trying to find a replacement for her so that I could still come back. And eventually like mid-March, they were like, do you just want to be the designer here? And I was like, okay, that's awesome. (laughs) I can do that. Um, And so I ended up signing with that and then went back full time in July, early July. So I've been there for what, like, I can't do math seven, eight months, something like that. Less than a so, year. <laughs> it, it, almost a year. We'll just almost, yeah, a year. almost yeah. a year. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. How are you dealing with it? How, how are you coping? Is for your, your title is like graphic designer? Yeah. So I have like my official title is graphic designer. Um, but my roles and responsibilities kind of bleed over that. It's a little bit more of a marketing position, um, and kind of like a catch-all for whatever we need if that's like event planning or like ordering snacks for the office that for whatever reason falls in my lap and happy to do it um so it, it's been really good it was definitely an adjustment for me I wish that when I was interning I realized that I was like like I obviously was learning from my boss at the time but I wasn't watching her and like I'm learning from you to take your position i was like watching from a different lens if that makes sense um, yeah 100 percent get that i had that but same i'm so problem. grateful that i had those couple months with her because she set such a good standard for me in terms of like how to set expectations for projects and like get things running off the ground like how to 
follow up with people and like it's not typically a creative industry like commercial real estate so trying to talk with brokers about what their vision is is something that like I've never had to do before like whenever I'm talking with like previously it'd be group projects and we're all studying design like we all know how to explain our vision or like at least get there we're like with commercial real estate brokers they're like I want something modern I'm like okay when you say you want modern you actually (laughs) mean this and like okay so like I I know now when like what somebody says modern they want this or vice versa you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um so it's definitely an adjustment I think I'm obviously still getting my bearings with it like good days and bad days for sure but I think I've handled it pretty well I mean maybe people in my office would be like she she sucks um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, it's been an adjustment, but I'm really grateful that they trusted me to like kind of step into that position and try to fill the shoes of like the designer that I looked up to so much. That sounds like an awesome gig to also have at 23. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. No, I like I like I feel so lucky that they trust me and like just let me kind of like do my thing. Like I'm not micromanaged at all and like that is really good for me. And like, I always say like, nobody cares about me in the best way possible. Like if I leave for 30 minutes and go on a walk, nobody questions it. Like where I have friends that are like, my boss will ask me where I am if I don't respond in five minutes. And like, I could never work in an environment like that. I'd be so anxious, you know, like I can't, I cannot imagine. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's kind of also like, I'm at the point where, yes, I need a job. Like I need a job, kind of any job will do. I need a job. But also at the same time, as a young creative, how do we find the balance between, because Mark, you said you went to an interview where you walked in and you knew right away that's not like the environment <laughs> yeah. you wanted to be in. So, I mean, I did my internship and I worked in our PR department. I worked with a lot of awesome graphic designers. And like you said, if I wanted to get up and take a walk for 30 minutes, fine. If I wanted to listen to music while I was working, okay, great. And that was awesome. It was a really great environment to be in. And yeah, of course there's pros and cons with working in any office, of course. Yeah. Sort of like what advice would you give to someone looking for a job if they know right out the gate that maybe that's not kind of the situation they want to be in? Or um, we talked about before, like, you need a job, yes, but what if they're offering you way less than you could comfortably live off of, but yeah. you need a job? Like, as a young creative, do you take it because you need it, or do you keep yeah. looking? I, yeah. I, I don't know if I have the answer for that. I think everybody's <laughs> a little bit different and in different positions financially. I know I, like, had to start working post-grad um, to, like, support my lifestyle and Same. myself, <laughs> you know? Um and I just got really lucky that it kind of fell into place for me. Um, I think th- there's also a difference between being like absolutely miserable at your job and it just not being like the perfect fit. Um, Cause it's easy to say like mental health comes first, which I, I do believe, but like you also need to, like you can't not provide for yourself at the same time. Right. Like that's a really hard decision to make. And like, I mean, I think we're all lucky enough that like, I, I don't have any kids that I have to feed. Like, I just have to make sure I'm fed and like my right. rent gets paid and like, we're good. Like, mm-hmm. I know that there's so many people that are in different positions where they have to support others or, you know, like whatever that may be. So I, I feel like it's not really my place to say, but I think if you can comfortably 
wait until you have a job that you're at least excited about. It might not be your dream job post-grad. I don't think that that's like typical. Um, and I wouldn't say that like commercial real estate is my dream job. I don't know what it is, but I'm very happy at my job. Um, so I say like, try to find something that you're not miserable at. I don't like, I don't know if that's good advice. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's a really hard like decision to make. Yeah. And I mean, all the jobs I've been applying for, again, they're kind of like what you said there for, I'm looking in the Metro Detroit area. So they're for like Ford, all the big car companies, like marketing designers or, um, like real there, I applied for like a mortgage lender company. Well, it's the people at the end of the day. Like it's not like, I, I, I do really like what I'm doing and I like the work that I'm producing, but I wouldn't say that like, I'm at the end of the day, passionate about making email marketing campaigns for buildings in DC. But like, I really do love the people that I work with. And like, that's what motivates me at the end of the day is to like, I see how excited they are about the buildings or like whatever listing that we're like working on. And like, that's what motivates me more, which like, it's not always my ideal design work. Like, I feel like I'm not showing like my true design style a lot, but like, I guess I'm okay with that because I really like my work environment. So like, that's something that I guess I'm giving up where like other people might say like working on like really practicing my specific style, whether that's like illustration or like you really love video production, which I guess isn't really design, but like creative fields as a whole, um, is more important to me because I know I'm only going to be here for a year to like be a stepping stone. So I, I guess it just like really depends on what, motivates you at the end of the day where like I know if I didn't like who I worked with I would never get anything done I'd be miserable so like that was number one for me yeah that's a really good point and you may come you know I've, I've realized that I started jobs six months down the line you start realizing you're picking up people's habits and you're picking yeah. up people's <laughs> uh, just just things that you don't want to pick up that you, you know you, you're spending too much time around people and then you start hating them and then you realize you're becoming them and then you're like oh it's a shit I need to get out of this place <laughs> yeah no you definitely become who you're around yeah and I mean when you work eight hours every day at a job I mean mm-hmm. it's kind of hard not to pick yeah. up things of other people and what's going on around you so and again that's kind of another good point to when finding a job is if it's a very toxic and if it is, mm-hmm. I can't speak either. If it is a <laughs> toxic environment, maybe, and then you come home every day emotionally drained and yeah. you have nothing left for yourself. Maybe that's not necessarily an environment that you should be in. Yeah. But, sorry. But no, no, like no, also, I, I a young creative, I feel like in that situation, the ideal thing would be, of course, I don't have a job, so I can't give 100%. <laughs> I'm, I'm 23. I know nothing. So. <laughs> but, um, like stick with it until it's comfortable to leave and go elsewhere. Yeah. So like, but yeah. don't ever tell the job that you are looking to leave. Like that's a very no. bad decision. No, no, but, no, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I at least know that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd also like, if you are planning on leaving, I wouldn't do what I've done in the past and just phone up the next day and say, I'm off. See you later. Give them Mark. some notice. Be polite. <laughs> yeah. Oh but that happens. Like if, if you do hate the job that much, you just like, I can't do this anymore. And like you, you think about it for weeks before you actually do call it. Cause that's a, like, that's my scare. Might've been the scariest thing I've ever done that calling up the next day and just saying, I'm not coming in. Yeah. And just cold quitting. <laughs> you've got a lot, you got a lot of respect for these people. Cause you know, it's their business and their livelihood and 
Um, I did have a lot of respect for them. They built up, you know, really big business. Um, well, you know, a decently sized million pound business and just two guys. So I had a lot of respect for them, but then just, just yeah, it's just toxic sort of place. But yeah. Um, That's understandable. Yeah. Do you want to <laughs> kind of switch gears and get into the YouTube side of things now? Yeah, I feel sure. like I have a million questions about YouTube. <laughs> okay. Hit me with them. I like, I will ramble though. So cut me off. No, this is a... This is I'm what's so called creative excited. waffle, though. I don't, I'm not sure you guys get this, but in, in England, we call it waffle. Like, people are waffling. I did. So we're rambling. When I first became a part of this podcast, I was like, why is it called creative waffle? Like, do you like waffles? I like, kind of cute and trendy. Yeah, I was like, do you like waffles? <laughs> or, like, why is it named this? And he's like, um, waffling is, like, going back and forth rambling. And I was like, I had no idea, but good to know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Okay, but no, seriously, like I am so excited because I, I, it's been a dream of mine to like start a YouTube and I actually had one at one point and it just was like nothing. I just posted a bunch of hair videos and like one got, I think the most I got was like 50,000 views, but it was just because it was like, geez, that's all right. I, no, it was like, cause I have curly hair. So it's kind of like doing something with my curly hair. Like, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. But anyway how do you how, okay how do you even just get started because like I would love to start one but like kind of what was your journey with it I guess I mean I don't even know where to start <laughs> yeah no same I kind of touched on this earlier but I created my channel my freshman year of high school which is a ripe age to start and I feel like everyone I, sorry I don't mean to interrupt but I feel no, like everybody in high school had a YouTube at one point no it's TikTok. Um, not in my high school I really always that that was the case um, I like very much so tried to hide it and I think I did a really good job. Really? Um, I feel I'm like all the girls in my here. high school, all the girls in my high school had a makeup channel. Oh my like, God. That would, I should have gone to school in Ohio. Um, <laughs> you don't yeah. So I made my channel to be like, be a makeup artist. And I thought that that was going to get me into like makeup artist school. And it just kind of like, <laughs> grew with me I guess and I kept saying like I'm done with this at the end of high school and like by the end of high school a decent amount of people knew and like it wasn't I mean like there were people that were like severely bullied because of YouTube like I wouldn't say that I was severely bullied by any means but like I wasn't I was tired of like people just like it was more like the snide comments that bothered me like yeah, the little like small jabs I was like that's almost worse than like you just being outright rude you know what I mean um, so I left high school and I was like, I'm done with this. Like, I'm not going to college being the YouTube girl that people talk about like quietly. Like that's not the path for me. Like we're starting fresh. Like I only knew one girl from my high school that was going to college with me and we ran in like very different circles anyway. So like I knew we wouldn't really overlap. Also, she was so nice. Like she would never like be the mm -hmm. one that was misleading my dad. Um, <laughs> but I was like, we're done with this. Like it's not happening. And then like right before I left, I guess I just started filming videos about college. And then sure enough, I was like blogging in college, but like still very discreetly. And like my rule has kind of always been, which I'm not saying is the right thing to do, but like I never bring it up, but I'm not afraid to talk about it. Like if somebody asks, I'll tell them, I don't actively hide it, but I don't talk about it, especially with like people I just meet. And in college, like you're meeting so many new people for the first time. And like, it's just like everything is so vulnerable to begin with your freshman year of college. Like this was just like another thing on the plate for me. So I like really tried to hide it, you know, like certain people knew blah, blah, blah. Like, but like my worst fear was like, whenever you or professors played YouTube videos in class, I was like, if I show up on the recommended on the side, 
Like, I truly don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to drop out. Like, there's literally, like, I don't, I don't That's know what to so do. Funny. I totally um, get this. I mean, like, it, it, I can relate it in two ways. So I, I started off YouTube stuff, uh, creative waffle slash fluid design back then. Um, and just doing like design stuff. I did a little video on Instagram the other day about one of the first videos and it's just me talking shit, like trying to pretend <laughs> I know stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's some good advice, but like just literally reading off a blog page. Um, and then, yeah, just, just trying to build something alongside in school, you did get comments, but like at the end of the day, I'm where I want to be. So it's yeah. all right. You get, you, you know, it's got to stick with it. I think, I think it, it all helps all this, this learning and, it's all it's all part of the process just keep going Mm -hmm. or like whenever I upload when I did have a channel for like two seconds whenever I did upload a video I never told anyone like I never broadcasted it I never was like on my Instagram oh hey go check out my new YouTube video I kind of let it sit and like do its thing on YouTube and just kind of see hope for the best yeah (laughs) no I really think that I stunted my growth that way because I would like didn't promote anything properly especially in the beginning years when like it was so much easier to gain a following because it was so much less saturated. Um, especially like compared to now, definitely not impossible. Obviously like people start channels every day and blow up. Um, it's a lot harder, but it it is harder, but it's definitely not impossible. Also like there's always going to be a new trend or like new Mm -hmm. type of video that you can make. Like it's, I feel like of all the social media platforms, YouTube is honestly the most sustainable which I mean, like catch me in like two years being like this being used as a soundbite and literally nobody <laughs> YouTube anymore. Um, but like for me, oh my God, it's been like nine years, which is absurd. And like, it's, we're still kicking, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. And I mean, when you watch YouTube, you watch different people for different things. Like everyone has their own personality. Like you could, I watch a million designers on YouTube, but I watch each one for a different reason. Like yeah. I love this person's style. So I watch them for that. I love this person's humor. I might not like their artwork, but I like their yeah. humor. So I'll watch them for that. Or yeah, yeah I watch I a lot of I don't really watch a lot of creative people on YouTube, which I definitely need to like dive into like the vlogger designer side of it. Cause I'm sure there's yeah. a ton of people out there, but I feel like I watch so many like lifestyle people. Yeah. And like, I'm, I, like I use it as like my source of entertainment, you know? Mm. Yes. I watch more YouTube than Netflix or oh, like that's very that's very common for our, our like age group yeah. I think yeah and, and that's another it. reason that I've kind of I guess this kind of leads me into my next question is I mean at least my family they see YouTube as like it's stupid essentially <laughs> like there's no way you'll ever make a living from it or like even yeah. just social media in general it's very I just have a very old style family I guess I mean I I think that's the biggest reason too that I um never told anyone about it and my grandma still doesn't know what this podcast is like I tell her about it all the time (laughs) like I I say it's like a radio show to my grandparents I say it's like that's what I'm doing I'm learning from people it's like a radio show that's a good way I'll have to try that because she's like I tell her like oh yeah I'm gonna go do a podcast and she's like okay who are you talking to now (laughs) some skinhead from England that's it (laughs) So I, guess, <laughs> I guess kind of my next question is how did you kind of I mean obviously you start the channel and you kind of just have to do it I guess I guess that's kind of just my biggest thing holding me back is I sorry that was my dog um I just kind of have to do it but like kind of how did you start your channel or like what kind of was your mindset like okay I like making these kinds of videos 
Yeah. What I mean, you know what I'm asking? No, I do. I think I went through a couple different phases. Like I was saying, like I was super shy about it in high school. Like didn't really tell anybody in college. I would talk about it, but I wouldn't bring it up. And now, and like when I graduated college, I was like, okay, for real this time, we're done. We're done being the YouTube girl. Like there's no point. Like we are calling it quits, but it's something that I'm just so used to doing at this point. And I like having things documented. I always have. So I started making videos just for myself, honestly, like documenting my move, my first week of like working my corporate job, just because like I wanted to have those memories, um, and uploaded them. And there's like, I think for the first time I found my niche, which like I never really found in high school and college. Like there were always other people making like college videos, even videos at Elon, like in high school, like I really wasn't marketing my channel right at all. Like I screwed up so many things in high school, but I think like I'm in my third wave of my mindset with YouTube, which is now like I've run out of like care for people's opinions. And I think it's so much easier to say that when you're not in a very small town with people that all know each other. And like, it's so much easier to be like, well, I actually don't really care what people think about me anymore when like you're not interacting with them on a daily basis. And obviously people still have their opinions. Like I see them, I hear them, but like, I, I don't know. I read this quote one time that, which like, I don't, I'm not really a big inspirational quote person, but this one like stuck with me. And it was like other people's opinions of me aren't like my business was basically the mindset. So like what other people think of you doesn't like, it doesn't even concern you because it's completely on their own, which really helped kind of shift my mindset of like, also I think, which like, this isn't something that I'm like happy about, but I think the more my channel grows and the more opportunities I get and the more like legitimate it looks, the more people respect it. Like I feel like for the first time people are finally respecting what I'm doing instead of making fun of it. And like my channel is still so small. So like, it, it, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think like, it makes total sense. Yeah. It's just been like different waves of like acceptance almost of like, okay, this is who I am, I guess, you know, like we're sticking with it now. Yeah, I get it. And I seek so much inspiration from YouTubers too. And mm-hmm. I feel like you kind of made a valid point. Like, um, you do kind of go through these phases of people accepting you and like what you're doing. And for me, when I opened my Etsy business at first, people were like, no, that's stupid. Like small town girl. Like there's no way that she can make a living off of that. And Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, like my ultimate goal is to be freelance. I would love to be freelance someday, but people look at me. Most creatives are. Yeah. And like people look at me like I'm crazy. Like, oh yeah, you'll never you're never going to become famous. You're never going to become a well-known designer or anything like that. Well, I don't think you even need to be famous to be like, a well, yeah, designer. but that's kind of like the way people are taking what I'm saying. Like when yeah. I say, famous, okay, that's fair. Like, they're like, Oh, you want to be famous. And it's like, no, I don't want to be a famous designer. I just want to be a successful yeah. one that I can make an income off of doing my own thing. Like mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. But when my Etsy business started picking up, then all of a sudden people were like, Oh, look, like she's actually making money from her art and it's like yeah it's possible like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well, you know what? Uh, this is something that's like very ahead. common i think i think we should like talk about this a little bit more because young young people are gonna especially gonna feel this from from parents from family from friends and we talked a little bit about it whilst we we're talking about uh, amy at school and and 
like people people judging you a little bit. Um, and I had it as well. I was like, we're all people. If you if you're trying to be different, people are going to judge you or something. And especially your parents, like if they don't understand something, if they don't understand what the podcast is, or they don't understand that you're trying to build a build a brand or build a personal brand around something, and you're not doing something that they would do, it's it's not safe in their mind, is it? Like they're not finding, they're not they're not seeing it as traditional and they're seeing it as oh that's the, the untrodden path like are they gonna are they gonna make any money out of it will it ever help them sort of thing and i think yeah it takes a long time to, to get the, their opinion out of your head and that's that's something i've battled with a lot um yeah i don't know where i'm going with this but uh <laughs> well no and i feel like my biggest thing is too like i am from a small area in ohio and it's not very many people are doing that yeah, like I know yeah. one girl I went to high school with who she is doing very well on YouTube. Like she's doing really well and good for her, but she's like the only one. There's maybe like one other, like there's two people from my area that I can think of that are doing well on the social media aspect of things. But I guess kind of around here, it's kind of like, it's not something that's widely accepted or known because we are such a small area. We're not a big city, I guess. Yeah. So if I took my camera out vlogging in my town, people would look at me like I'm crazy. Like people would look at me like I'm insane. <laughs> but if you do that in like New York or a bigger city, like it's not uncommon like to see people vlogging all the time. Like when I was in London, I would have loved to vlog my experience while I was there. But I was so afraid of like people looking at me like I was crazy and like other people's opinions of me. But it's not as uncommon or like I knew a lot of friends when I did the Disney college program that vlogged their Disney college program. That would have been cool. And yeah. My roommate actually did for half of her program. She vlogged half of it. And so many people in that niche look at those videos for advice and like what they're doing and what their program looks like. Sorry, I don't mean to go on a spiel here, but it looking back on it now, it's kind of like, I wish I would have taken that opportunity. And like, I wish I would have done that and just got out of my head of what other people were thinking about me or like what people would have thought and just did it. So what's so. the advice on this to round that topic up? Cause it's an important yeah, thing. Sorry, uh, what's the advice? No, 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 it's, it's really good. It's, uh, what's the advice on that? What's, how can people stop caring what other people think about them to, to the point where it's going to hurt them? So, I mean, it's great to take people's advice and, and, because it's a hard one because you want to you want you don't want to block everything out because some people might be saying some really valuable stuff to you like you might be getting someone like amy who's giving genuinely good advice but if you're blocking everything out then you're not going to listen to it so how do you take separate the good advice from the bad advice or the, or the hate <laughs> i mean i feel like it's pretty easy to decipher what's like valuable critique versus just like hateful comments you know like if somebody's like hey the audio on this blows i'm like you're right. I do need to invest in a better microphone. You know, like that's not hate in my opinion, but like, and also I think it depends like if they actually know you or not. Like if it's somebody that doesn't know me at all, I really don't care what they think about me because at the end of the day, like I know who I am. Um, and when you're posting a video, it's chopped up and edited. Like things are slightly taken out of context. Like I obviously have the full scope of everything that happened. So an edit might make sense to me, but if you watch it, and you don't have that full scope, like you could see it from a completely different perspective. Um, and obviously if you do something wrong, like own up and apologize to it and like make a change in your habits. But if it's just like someone saying something dumb and like useless, like that kind of rolls right off my back. Like that doesn't really bother me. Um, or like comments about my appearance don't 
really bother me anymore. They used to when I was younger, but like at this point I've kind of heard everything there is to say, you know, like it doesn't like, I'm like, Ooh, that one's like, if I hear something new, I'm like, Oh shit, that's kind of creative. Like I didn't even think of that. And you know, like, I think the harder comments for me are like ones of people that I know that are like supposed to be like, they're not public comments. They're things that have gotten like filtered down to me or I accidentally see them or like somebody goes to send my post to someone and accidentally sends it to me. Like those are the ones that are like harder for me to get over. But at the end of the day, like most of the time it's coming from jealousy, which is like, I think that's a hard thing to accept because it sounds almost like you have an ego and it, it really like, that's not what I mean. Like, I'm not saying that people have like this great reason to be jealous of me, but like, if you are taking the time to like send my post to someone and like have a full discussion on why you hate it so much that like I'm working with urban outfitters on a video, like I, like I, like I can't take time to worry about that if that makes sense. Um, and I think it's just something that it's gotten easier with age. Like, knowing what is worth my time worrying over and like if somebody is saying things like just kind of cutting them out of my life and being like okay like you like that's on them that's not even on me like if you choose to talk about me negatively like I I'm not responsible for like mending that relationship like that's kind of on you you know which is a really harsh thing to say and maybe bad advice but for me it's just kind of been like focusing on who is supportive and like when I do post things that I know are going to get people talking to some degree and, you know, like stir the pot a little bit, like knowing and recognizing who's there supporting me and like hyping me up and like focusing on that instead, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, sorry, Hannah, I just noticed you muted yourself. I just wondered if. Oh no, I, I'm <laughs> muting and unmuting myself because oh. my dog's currently playing with his um, ball and it's really loud. So I'm only going to unmute myself like uh, when I'm yeah, okay. <laughs> No, sorry. I thought, I thought we messed something up. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think that's, that's a nice place. Uh, I'm conscious of the time as well. Are you right for, for time? Yeah, I have a couple more minutes. Cool. Hannah, do you, what, do you have any more questions on the audience stuff or, or YouTube stuff or... I think you gave a lot of awesome advice on the YouTube stuff. If, and I, if I have any more questions, do you mind if I reach out? And yeah, like, right, yeah. you obviously okay. know where to find me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, one last thing on, the, on that. Um, how, how, do, how are you growing your audience or is it just for YouTube or, or the social media stuff or how are you interacting with them at all? Are you putting like a bit more of a community? Are they talking to each other? That's something I think we want to do on the podcast. Yeah. I think that's something that I'm trying to actively foster, especially because my audience is growing in a very like specific area, which is the DC area. Um, just because there's not, to my knowledge, anybody else like making videos about their everyday life in DC. Um, so I think it's just like bringing in more people and it's naturally growing that way, which is really great. Um, something that I originally wanted to do, which, you know, that this is on the back burner indefinitely, unfortunately right now is, like hosting some sort of like a brunch in DC with people. Cause I get like a decent amount of DMS of people that like want to meet up for coffee. And like, I would love to do that. Like I watch creators all the time that I'm like, I know that we would be good friends if we had the chance to meet, but like, I can't always take time to do that, which sucks obviously. Um, and I feel like I, between like YouTube and my nine to five and freelance work, like I don't even have time to see my friends half the time. Um, so I wanted to host like, find some restaurant in DC that'd be willing to like rent out a small room with like 
only like 15, 20 people still very nervous. Like somehow no one would show up. Um, and like have just like a bigger, like everybody just kind of comes as they please, like brunch type meal. And then everybody's also in the DC area at that point. So like Mm. not only are like, am I meeting them, but they're meeting each other. And like, that's expanding everybody's connections, which I think would be really fun. Um, Cause if they're watching my videos, we all most likely have something in common, whether that's even just like being in the DC area or, you know, like working a nine to five job, like we would all in theory have a connection to one another. So I feel like that'd be a really cool way to foster that community aspect. Um, and that's kind of like all I'm really doing to focus growth right now. I'm not really honing in on any strategies right now, just because I'm, I feel like I'm at capacity. I wish I had a couple more hours in a day or like a couple extra coffees in a day to like power (laughs) through and really take the time to like go through my channel and really strategize everything. But I feel like I'm just at capacity. So I'm kind of letting it like naturally grow. It's, 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 it's almost out of my hands at this point. Like it generates a decent amount of income for me. Um, obviously if it like continues to grow at the rate that it does, like I'll probably reevaluate working a full nine to five. I never want to work or like not work in some sort of corporate position, but I would consider scaling back to like 20 hours a week somewhere. Um, and then doing YouTube on the side, just because I love having the corporate experience and working with other people and working on a team. Mm. Um, so I'm just kind of letting like nature take its course on that. And then as my YouTube channel grows, my Instagram very slowly grows as well. It's, it's something that I'm sure I could grow if I put in the time and effort and I think most people have the ability to like through hashtags or giveaways, or, you know, like there's so many great strategies out there to grow a brand. Um, I just like, I, I can't find that. I'm not willing, I guess is a better way to put it to make the time right now, but I'm hoping down the line maybe. So yeah. I don't know if that answered your question at all. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Uh, is there something that you would recommend to young, younger creatives to, to do to, help them get a job i mean did it help you at all get your job or, or is it something that's completely separate from your job or how's it um i don't think it hurt getting a job but i i don't think this job specifically cared about my youtube channel or like online presence at all okay. um and i say that and like i don't mean that in like a backhanded way like they all know about it it's like i don't again i don't hide it it's on my linkedin like they just started making jokes about it so i guess they're comfortable <laughs> enough with me now to like tease me about it um which is like kind of cute but I don't think it helped me be just because like my industry doesn't really have any overlap with YouTube too much. Um, I'd say like certain skills that I acquired definitely real helped. Real estate like, does that, right? Real estate has huge overlap. I, I don't know about commercial real estate, maybe like residential. Uh, commercial um, right. Yeah. So like leasing office space uh, and like more construction heavy isn't, at least my experience of YouTube hasn't overlapped with that yeah, at I mean, all. You work in it and you've got a huge YouTube channel. Who am I? So, <laughs> so I don't mind. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but I think like having skills from YouTube helped me like at a young age, I was writing professional emails at like 14 and 15 with brands, like negotiating, like all of those softer skills, I think really helped me, but it wasn't like, Oh, you have a YouTube channel with like X amount of views. Yeah, You're yeah, hired, yeah. you know, but yeah, I think it could make you stand out for a different agency or, maybe not a YouTube channel per se, but like just having an, a strong brand, it doesn't need to be like a mm. personality, but just having like a resume, a portfolio, a LinkedIn that all matches together and looks professional. I do think will make a difference. 
Yeah. And that's definitely what I'm trying to do right now for sure. I think it's important to advertise yourself cohesively. Yeah. You don't want to be a completely different person on your YouTube than you are on your LinkedIn than you are on your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And just like coming off as professional and who you are, I think is most important at the end of the day. I don't think you need a following of any count to like equate with that, I guess. Good point. One thing I've not done uh, is posted a lot of my own personal uh, like so I'm I'm very open with what I talk about in the podcast but I'm not I don't post like pictures of me going out on nights and stuff like, I'm not I'll post the odd photo of me at football matches but not I, it's more business stuff on social media I think yeah. that's helped me massively yeah I agree I don't think you need to like change your personality but you don't also need to highlight every aspect of your personality like there's certainly a decent amount of my camera roll that I would never post to Instagram so like I think I agree that's a good point like just being smart about it you know and like remembering like it's so cliche and oversaid like if it's on the internet you can find it like even if it's like something your friends posted or like if somebody's posting something embarrassing of you like you better make sure that that is like on private snapchat like (laughs) conversations like do not let that touch Facebook Instagram like anything that can be searched will be found especially if you're applying to like bigger companies that have an entire like hr team dedicated to hiring like they yeah. will and they will find it you know yeah. very good point very good point yeah, and i feel like that's where a lot of young people in our generation can get themselves into trouble too mm-hmm. so like yeah no i remember senior year i really started like scaling back and like taking down photos from like earlier years in college of just, like they weren't even bad but it just didn't present myself in yeah, I know a professional mean. way and like something that I feel like I think about a lot at work is the fact that I am young like I feel 23 a lot of these I mean I just turned 23 I feel like I'm 18 half the time you know and like a majority of people I work with are probably like 35 to 45 so we're very I quick just in sharing stuff as well like that, that we're not worried about what it's gonna come back in the future yeah and so like I try when I'm at work not to act 22 I wouldn't say I'm like putting on this like fake personality by any means but like I don't need to be like oh my god six months ago when I was in college like I did a keg stand you know like things like that just like don't need to be brought up so like dumb posts that I had on my Instagram that weren't even like horrible but just like more revealing clothes or you know and there's nothing wrong with that I'm not trying to shame that in any way shape or form but for me personally like I realized that that wasn't how I wanted to present myself as more of my coworkers like found my Instagram or, you know, like whatever that was, I was like, I don't want them seeing that. So like I started taking that down. If you're going to be embarrassed, like of one of your coworkers finding something, maybe that's not something that should be on your social media. (laughs) Yeah. But like freshman and sophomore year me was like, this is so cute. And I'm like, uh, yeah, (laughs) we're all all that way. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just like part of being young, you know, like it's not a big deal, but yeah, yeah, I think you can refine things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, am I the only one that like completely goes like dirty mind on this? Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe. I'm sure. No. There's a, I hope there's a few people out there that have the same mindset. But uh, maybe it's a UK thing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's, like, it's, we don't talk about it enough. So like, that's where my mind goes. Anyway, uh, let's get off that. <laughs> so, yes, and that's something in my job as well. Like, just um, yeah, just don't just. I'm not even sharing any thoughts about anything, not even about football these days. Just, just, not, <laughs> just, just posting work. There's one post about the wrong club, and I'm, I'm in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, do you want to move on to the last like few questions we ask people at the yep. end of the show? 
Go cool. for it. What's your what's your best purchase under a hundred dollars? My best purchase under a hundred dollars. I just made a video about my best like and worst purchases in my twenties, and I'm literally blanking on everything I've ever bought. Um, <laughs> okay, so this was like one that you off guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel does. like the best purchase I've made under a hundred dollars. Well, this is kind of cheating because I used it in the video, but my Spotify premium subscription for like ten dollars a month, honestly is like one of the best investments I've made. It's just like, it just makes my quality of life so much better. There's so much content on there. Like, it's just so nice that like the entire world of music and podcasts is at your hands. You know, like I feel like I use it so often when I'm like getting ready or just like anything. So I don't know. I like cannot imagine my life without Spotify. I don't know if that's a good answer. Probably not, but. No, that's like me and my Apple music. I feel the same way. Or like and me and my podcast. It's the very first world answer, but I, I totally agree. Like I'm trying to go, trying to save money as where as possible, but like that's, that Spotify free with all those adverts just does my head in. <laughs> no, you can't. You got you got to treat yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. That is, it's that and Audible. They're the only two subscriptions I allow myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, right now, but uh, cool, nice, nice answer. I had um, a plus. Sorry. Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's, what's what would it be a dream client for you? dream client for me um in terms of like youtube or design work i feel like both yeah both um youtube i have a couple people that i really want to reach out to this year one being airy i or abercrombie and fitch actually they're coming back this year i said what i said (laughs) it's coming back um i just think both of them well airy has always had like a very strong brand um And like their clothing is just like very comfortable, very casual, easy to style. And I feel like that's something that I really gravitate towards, especially because I do wear a business professional now that when I get home, I'm like my airy joggers, I wear every single night. I need to get a second (laughs) pair. It's absolutely disgusting. So I'd love to work with them or Abercrombie on like some sort of a haul or like promotional Instagram series. Um, And then for design work, I feel like something travel related, whether that's Airbnb or National Geographic would be a really big achievement. Obviously that would be so hard to obtain, but that'd be definitely a goal client for sure. Nice. Good answer. Um, What makes you tick? I mean, you you, you sort of touched on this a little bit already, but uh, what makes you tick and, and want to do what you do? Like what makes me angry? No, no, maybe a UK thing, but like, what makes you like get up in the morning? Oh, um, honestly, I don't even know. That's like a really horrible answer. I think just like finding, and this oh, it sounds really cheesy, but just like the joy and like the little everyday things. Like, I really enjoy. Like, I mean, right now it's like getting up and making my coffee and talking to my roommates or like you know whatever that is. Um, or just like going to work and like having, like you have to make your life fun. You can always find a reason for it not to be fun. And obviously that's coming from a place of privilege. Like I don't have like any like very sick relatives right now or anything where it's like, "Mm, you really can't make that one fun. Like let's not use that phrase, but in like a corporate nine to five job, it's so easy to get stuck in a rut. So I feel like finding small little things that like make you laugh or inside jokes with people and like things like that, I feel like are what motivate me. Nice. 
Nice. Me too. I feel it. <laughs> the, the, the last question is a big one. Um, uh, and as young people, we're not, we don't really think about this too much. But uh, how do you want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? Oh, that is a tough question. I don't know. I guess just as a good friend would be like the easy answer. That's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like all of my like good friends and like people that know me, I hope that they would remember me as someone who is like overall a positive influence in their life or at least like there for them when they needed it. Nice. Good I answer. Like good answer. Uh, where can people find you? Check you out, check your YouTube channel out. I'm going to link it all down below, but. <laughs> yeah. <say> it's it. <laughs> just, my name, Amy D. Roush, Roush, R-A-U-C-H. And that's pretty much it on all platforms. You can just search like Amy Roush and it'll pop up on YouTube, maybe Instagram, probably not, but fingers crossed. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. And then we like to end the podcast with a little saying these days. Uh, have you ever okay. seen the film Cool Runnings? No. Uh, no, not American. None of these yeah, Americans have. You're not the only one. It's okay. Have you not seen it? <laughs> no, I haven't seen Can it. you end the podcast with it? <laughs> <laughs> you just started doing it and informed oh, okay. me of it like today so i was like okay, okay. Excuse, excuse, excuse. <laughs> now i have to watch it but yeah <laughs> so it's a film about the make a jamaican bobsleigh team and yeah think about it for a second it'll confuse you but um yeah uh basically it means uh, peace be the journey so i'd like to end it with that nice that's a good i like it there we yeah, go and that's it Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something from it. You can check out the all the key points from this episode and some clips over at creativewaffle.club, uh, along with many other blog posts and many more to come as well. We're building up this huge library now, me and Hannah. Some really, really cool stuff going on at creativewaffle.club, as well as the Creative Waffle newsletter, which comes out every single week, every single Wednesday, with some great uh, things that we found this week on the internet, along with our 15 gigabyte file, zip file that we up, keep updated uh, with all of our mock-ups and favourite fonts and textures and loads of stuff if you're new to the email subscriber list you'll get that this week if you sign up so yeah please do check it out it's a really really cool resource we're building up right now so yeah do check it out and i'll see you next week for another episode of the creative waffle podcast cheers